0: Welcome from Barangaroo Studios. This is The Call, 10 stocks picked by you, two experts, one hour, and I'm Daniela Kouye. So our two experts on today's show here for the full hour, which I'm glad to hear. Joining me in the studio is Luke Winchester from Meriwether Capital. Luke, great hey, to have you in here. And Claude Walker from A Rich Life. Claude, hello, hello. Hi, great to be here. Okay, let's have a look in terms of the first five stocks picked by you, and we have a catapult, Alcidian, Laserbond, Silk Logistics, and Rectifier Technologies. And uh, we just got a slight problem there. We might have to redo that one. Now, in terms of a stock of the day, it is WiseTech Global, and they have held their AGM today. And it's the latest tech company to join the conga line of cost out programs, which is expected to deliver a net $15 million in savings in full year 24. WiseTech expects margins to return to above 50% in full year 24. 26 and has reconfirmed its full year 24 guidance. And as we can see, the market has decided to turn, I suppose, the thumbs down a little bit to that one. So Luke, tell me, what do you think of Wise Tech?
1: Um, it's a brilliant business, um, you know, you can't doubt that, it has been for quite a long time. Um, But it's not cheap. You you pay for that quality, $22 billion market cap, about 50 times um, EBITDA. And I think the concerns of the market is that as it's gotten bigger, that growth has naturally slowed. Um, And in the past, most of that has been acquisitive growth. Um, And, you know, it's hard to do that as you get bigger acquisitions. Acquisitions either have to get bigger or you need your organic growth to, to sort of supplement. Um, and I think that's why, um, to, your, to your point in the introduction, they are investing heavier into the business. And it is, is that short term hit to margins. And I think that's maybe an implicit admission from management that they need that organic growth to now really take over from, from you know, what was primarily an M&A driven story in the past. Um, you know, the, the short term reaction um, probably makes sense. There was just a throwaway line Um, In regards to, they're seeing some foreign exchange tailwinds, but they maintain guidance. Maybe the market was thinking, given the lower Aussie, that might have been an impetus to to maybe guide to the higher end or raise. But they've sort of stuck and said, we'll reassess it at the half year. Um, So look. From a from a buy hold sell, I, I think it's a I think it's a pretty easy hold. It was actually quite enjoyable to read Richard White's address today at the mm. AGM. Um, there's quite a lot of detail into you know a short, medium, longer term view of this business, and they've got some grand ambitions to be a one stop shop in mm. global logistics software, um, and that's ambitious. And if they get towards that, it's a stock that will do quite well even from these levels and and the current valuation. Um, manage some short term headwinds, as you said, cost out program, maybe some some weak in margins but given the founder-led mentality and that long-term ambition he's got I think you you continue to hold the stock and maybe it's one that if you've got that longer-term focus you pick up on dips and and things like that Mm. in, in weak markets
0: I thought it was really interesting the fact that they've expanded into Mexico because currently the US has more trade with Mexico than China. It's actually surpassed China. So, um, you know, growing a company just doesn't happen overnight. And I think sometimes, I don't know how you feel, but markets get very, very short term sometimes. The
1: market wants its handheld and and be told, you know, everything's going up in a smooth, straight line. And in business, it just doesn't happen. And I have always appreciated um, CEOs, and you see it with founder CEOs who have that long term mentality that they just tell you what the plan is and what they're going to do and sort of let the market you know, do what it does. And um, so that's why, as I said, I, I found that address, CEO address, quite enjoyable to read. Richard's definitely got that sort of longer term focus. And so for the right shareholders willing to stomach some short term volatility, I think there's a, still a nice long term story here with WiseTech.
0: Fantastic. Claude, what do you think of
2: WiseTech? Well, I love a high beta uh, growth mode darling as much as you Danny but I actually have a different take on YSEC from Luke because I see it as being a, a pretty good business a bit more of a roll-up than some uh, of the other uh, I guess growth mode darlings you might want to think of as a group and they often trade together that it's sort of similar flows it's like that growth. Portion of the uh, super industry has its favorite uh, growth stocks. You could say other ones nowadays, you know, might include Ordinate, Prometicus, Altium, Zero, uh, Meta Group, That it, it goes on and on. Of that group, I think that WiseTech is not such a good quality business because it is, its growth has been less organic compared to, actually, most of those stocks I named, it's, it's organic growth. And organic growth is generally more of a sign of a competitive advantage than uh just a roll-up strategy. So I don't actually see it as really fitting happily into that group. And but the market does. And in fact, everything you guys are just like Luke what you were saying, sort of shows that is that is generally how people think of it. And at the risk of being wrong and a little bit contrarian, I actually don't think it's such a good business as the, as everybody thinks. And as a result of that, I would I would actually say sell and i I don't hold it myself
0: okay well we love a good contrarian thought because that's what makes a market claude so thank you okay let's get right into it and our first stock of the day has been picked by a michael and it is a catapult ticker code c-a-t so luke what do you think tech hardware business 280 million odd market cap Mm. is this one that you like
1: it's okay I I, I don't love it it's it's improving is probably what I would say it's been a business in the past where I think there was a lot of question marks around it Um, in particular there was some pretty sort of profligate spending um, by by Um, former CEOs and management and that it's not entirely a profitable business yet but at the last report all of the operating cost lines are either flat or down that says a lot about what this business is doing and to be fair given their competitive position in their market it is a business that I think should be able to generate quite good margins and, and and profits and cash flow. Um, and I think the volatility of a, of a longer term share price, if we throw it up, you know, the market has sort of been through the cycles with this stock, wanting to see them sort of produce more than what they have. And they've gone on some um, ill-fated um, expansions into different verticals and, and you know, trying to get away from that core niche of professional sports teams and um, the, the data they require. Um, the one thing I would say is that while the first half result, which recently came out, was, it, it was good, it was a good result. I won't take that away from them. Um, I think what management really focused on was it was free cash flow break even. So they really said, you know, w- we're no longer burning cash. I would just take that with a grain of salt because you need to bear in mind that this is a business that has, um, you know, a, a, a seasonality to their working capital where they get cash up front for their annual subscriptions, and, and that's generally first half weighted. So I wouldn't necessarily look at the strong first half cash result and think that's applicable to the full year. Um, so just that was just one thing I, I noted to keep in mind. Um, look, if you're there, if you've ridden it, I think it's a hold. As I said, the business is improving. If you're on the sidelines like I've been, it's a good product and I think they're going the right way, but I just would need to see a bit more execution along that sort of um, path towards profitability and cash
0: flow. Okay, fair enough. Uh, Claude, what's your view on uh, Catapult?
2: Well, I think reasonable minds can differ and I'm conscious that my friend Andrew Brown l- likes this stock and thinks it's undervalued. I can see the argument for that if you uh, believe, as is... Kind of reasonable that it could have many years of growth ahead in terms of it being in a growth industry more and more monitoring of uh athletes as they get higher and higher pay packages uh however i tend to take a more cautious stance with catapult has around 250 million dollars market cap even um if it did become profitable which is not guaranteed and as you and, and it's basically not profitable yet it lost in the last half million but even if it did become profitable and made say 10 million us dollars that's about 15 million aud then it still wouldn't necessarily even be you know that cheap at 250 million it might be worth 500 million and you might get a double a double situation there but also i feel like if it was on that path it's quite likely to get a takeover offer at some point if the if the share price remains low these guys have raised capital a lot of times in the market Uh, and the the people who've put in the money have been disappointed. And so there's also a genuine risk that it doesn't make profitability. And indeed, it it has, debt has cash that more or less offset, offsets that debt. So its balance sheet isn't terrible, but it's not great either. And it would be really great to see it actually make a profit uh, or have a full year of free cash flow, not just one half. So for me, it would be a sell just on the basis of that. However, I do acknowledge, I reckon there is actually a possibility that There could be someone who wanted to take it over because I think you probably could strip out a lot of costs and and make it profitable, but it's, it's far from it at the moment.
0: Fair enough. OK, let's move on to the next stock, which is Alcidian ticker code ALC. And this second stock has been picked by Philip, who asks, does the cap raise due to the higher than usual operating costs this quarter and in management, incompetence focus forecasting this make, uh, sorry, this is a good reason to sell out? Or is the huge drop uh, in the share price make it too late now and better to average day Oh, averaging down. That's always a uh, interesting one, isn't it, Luke?
1: I wouldn't be averaging down. Um, and it was it Philip who wrote in, um, yes. you know, he's, he's highlighting all the things that I sort of have red flags with. Um, I came on the small caps a few weeks ago. I was very critical of this business and this management team. Um, you know, it was, a uh, okay, just to clarify, they do healthcare software, um, primarily selling into the UK NHS, just for a bit of background there um so uh, philip's right first quarter result was was very poor um and it's a it's a management team who had previously said that they were well funded through to their objectives of cash flow positive um, and you know and didn't require any sort of capital injection and then um, a first quarter result where they burned um, i think eight million dollars in operating cash flow and um, in the end did a, a small uh, a small raise now that that's the one silver lining to this the raise was small but the fact they required it at all i think you know is a is a, is a black mark against management um, and when you look at the balance sheet, there's no debt to this company. And I sort of wonder that if you had an owner founder in this business who was, um, you know, mindful of dilution of a, of a equity ownership that they held in this business, you know, would they have been more willing to take on a small debt facility because the the, the business is still forecasting. Um, uh, cash flow positive over the full year. It's just a lumpiness they have to get through with a working capital cycle. So, you know, I, I think it's right to sort of question management um, selling out. I, I think if you read it down here, you probably continue to hold it, but you, you know, you're watching management very closely from here and they need to earn back the trust of the market. Um, and it's just, you know, being aware that governments are, are real double-edged swords. Like yeah. once you're in, they're sticky and, and, and we love that. But before you're in, it's slow, it's bureaucratic. And, you know, I think when management teams are trying to forecast what their business will look like, you know, as they sell into government, you want them to be ultra, ultra conservative because they just move slower than what you expect them to. So, you know, I have been critical. I think it's right to be critical. The share price fall is is sort of the only saving grace here to say, you know, you maybe continue to hold it. I wouldn't be averaging into it, though, until you see some actual fundamental execution.
0: Okay, fair
2: enough. Claude, do you have uh, differing views on this one? Uh, not at all. That, Luke's answer causes me pain for two reasons. First of all, because it's almost as if he just read out my notes and <laughs> now I've got nothing to say. And, second, <laughs> and the second reason is because I actually am in this situation. So I bought shares believing in man- management's forecast originally for cash flow positive and a bit positive in FY 2023. That did not come about. They're saying that that will be the case for FY 2024. At the same time, they're raising capital. Uh, the, the only question, the, the question should not be for me, would I buy more after I already got it wrong, believed a bunch of stuff that turned out to be wrong, mistakes were made, no acknowledgement of the mistakes uh, in terms of saying we made a mistake that hasn't happened that I'm aware of. And so uh, the problem is you can't buy this situation for me, but it's do I sell? And the reason that I'm holding is because there are four ways I see the share price going up. There could be a takeover offer. Um, the, the company could face the fact it's made a mistake and it, it shouldn't be spending this much ahead of uh, ahead of contracts it hasn't won, so cost cutting. The other way is it could actually win the contracts that it's been saying it's gonna win that hasn't won uh, because of you know delays at the government end. Or finally, you could just have new management uh, that just set a different uh, set a different course for the company. So there are four ways I see it could play out. That's I guess I wouldn't necessarily buy that kind of thesis, but it, it does seem like there's a, a lot of ways that this could end up being the darkest days. But yeah, at the same time, Luke already outlined why you couldn't buy it right now. Um, there's a credibility gap there and they need to fix that.
0: Okay, so you're happy to sort of say hold at this
2: stage, are you? on this one yeah i i, I want to see some of these ways you know play out the ideal thing would be that they win the contracts and then actually all is forgiven kind of thing so that, that could happen it would be a pretty big uh, sentiment change if it does but yeah they don't seem that on track so like it's hard to say it's on track it was supposed to be already you know when i when i bought shares it was supposed to have already happened fy 2023 a bit depositive didn't happen so now you're just waiting do you believe them the next time who knows
0: Okay, fair enough. Now, the third stock picked is Laserbond and the ticker code is LBL and this is being picked by Will. And I must admit, I wasn't across this one. It looks like a market cap of around $95 million and a mining services contractor. Luke.
1: Um, I own this one, Emery with the capital. So Ooh. yeah, small little um, micro cap, um, but it's a, it's a, it's a good, genuine little business, family run. Um, they have some um, in-house IP they've developed over many many years in surface engineering. So that is, you know, taking heavy machinery, um, and they'll apply a, a laser coating um, of a metallic powder, primarily tungsten's in that powder, um, and it increases the wear life of of heavy machinery. So. Um, you're correct, mining services, um, construction, heavy industry, these are their, their main customers. So it brings cyclicality into the business, um, but those sectors you know, still have tailwinds behind them and a, and a forecast too, and, and certainly the commentary out of Laserbond supports that. Um, I didn't make it down to the AGM, but spoke to people who did, and they said management were very enthusiastic about that core business performing well. Um, and they are still um, very excited about expanding this business geographically, so they're targeting west. In Australia, which feels like a very natural fit mm. giving the mining customers over there. Um, and also, they've um, organically expanded over to the US um, <clears throat> primarily by shipping uh, their products over there. But the success of that's been quite strong and, and they're sort of flagging that a few of their key customers in the US steel mills are sort of dragging them over and they may set up a workshop in the US as well. Um, So, there's risk to that, obviously, but it's a management team who have proven they can acquire, organically expand, Um, so you sort of back them to do that. Um, On my numbers, probably trades around 15, 16 times this year's earnings, so I think that's a fair price um, for the business. They've got some pretty ambitious revenue targets in the market for 60 million FY25 um, revenue. Last year was 39 million. So, you know, if they get close to that, I think you're paying a pretty fair price for the growth. And, um, you know, given this business is heavily focused on margins and seeing that incremental revenue fall down to the bottom line, that valuation would, would come down quite sharply too if they would hit those targets. So, one I own, um, happy with, it's just, you know, backing a, a family managed business to keep executing the way they are. Um, and they've got plenty of avenues to continue to do that. So even at these levels on this valuation, it's probably a buy Okay, that.
0: cool. Yeah. When when you talk about, which is the main end market? Are we talking about steel making equipment or are we talking about um, big Caterpillar machines or? So
1: yeah, so a, a bit of both. So um, their, their two main segments is what they call services, which is where their customers will send them machinery to their workshops in Adelaide and Western Sydney. Um, and they will actually coat their machinery and send it back to the customer. And that's so where different
0: parts and yeah,
1: drills, diggers, yeah. things like that. Um, but where they've, they a few years ago started to expand into is what they call OEM products, which yep. is making the products for themselves and then selling them. And they sort of identified a few industries they could look at, but one that's really taken off is is steel mill rolls and primarily in the US. So that is, you know, literally the rollers that the the molten hot steel goes over the top of. Um, And, you know, speaking to the CEO a few months ago, their products are about a 15 to 20 times um, increase on, on um, non-laser bon- bond coded um, competitors. Mm. Um, so they sell for about three times as much. So you've got to convince your customers to yep. take that upfront. But cap- the quality
0: is worth it.
1: But as they've sort of proven that quality and that wear life, as I said, that uptake's been quite strong and they're sort of being dragged by their customers mm. to say, we're sick of you shipping them over from Australia. You know, can you set up over here in the US? So, you know, good problem to have.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Really interesting. Um, so Claude, something that might take your fancy?
2: Uh, Absolutely, yes, I own shares in this as well. I'll just try and build on what Luke said, uh, for example, to give you some perspective is Luke and I followed this for years. I've just looked at my records. I first bought it in 2018 at 16.5 cents. I have bought and sold it in the the interim period, but I own it now. I consider it a buy now. The one thing that we probably didn't touch on is that they have this division, the technology division, which has been a, a zero for the last couple of years. Uh, because it's just one-off random luck, they sell their technology, it's pretty much mostly margin or a lot of very high margin. And they even get a tiny bit of trailing margin from that, or at least they try to. So that business hasn't been firing on uh, the last few years because it's a extremely slow t- uh, cycles, takes them a long time to deliver. But uh, they remain confident of finally getting some technology revenue in FY 2024. and. That was reiterated uh, just a few days ago when the CEO spoke to straw man members. So uh, I think that that could bode well for the FY2024 results. So I consider it an opportune moment to uh, buy into a business that I think is not only a decent quality family owned business, but improving in quality over time.
0: Gosh, that would be music to most investors' ears. Okay, the fourth stock is Silk Logistics and that's a ticker code S L A H picked by a Shane. And Shane has asked, "'I am seeking the views of your experts regarding Silk Logistics. My research indicates that this company has a reasonably sound financial footing and good long-term, albeit modest, prospects going forward. But this is my first foray into the smaller cap space, so I'd be very interested in hearing what an analysis of such a company should consider both in terms of opportunities and in relation to trip hazards eminently sensible luke mm.
1: um, always good to see someone come into the small cap world it's, <laughs> it's very exciting down here um, i look i come across this business looked at it a little bit but and, until the suggestion came up the show hadn't really looked too closely Um, main reason for that is it's just not my favorite sort of business Mm. capital intensive cyclical um, as the as it says on the tin it's a logistics business Um, but the headline numbers look for, for the type of business you're buying, you're being compensated by the valuation, about 10 times earnings. Um, as best I can tell, they are pretty legitimate. There's no, you know, funky accounting or adjustments going on here. Um, I think the main question you've got to ask yourself, though, is where are we in that earnings cycle? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it's been pretty well acknowledged that that logistics companies in general um, have had solid margins over the last few years, you know, initially from that COVID bump and then, um, you know, a shortage of supply coming into the country of new trucks and, and things like that um so i would expect margins to, to, to probably moderate over the next few years likely offset by by growth in revenue and and, and silk um you know have got a stated objective to, to continue to grow organically and by um m a um which so far they've done fine I, I don't have any issues there the only other thing i noted was um the balance sheet it's it's there's not a lot of conservatism in the balance sheet, and what I mean by that is um, they appear to lease most of their assets rather mm-hmm. than own them on the balance sheet. So, as an example, it's a similar market cap to another logistics business called um, uh, CTI Logistics, mm-hmm. um, ticker code CLX. Mm-hmm. Quick look at those two, and CLX has 116 million dollars worth of property and plan mm-hmm. on their balance sheet, whereas Silk has 22.
0: Right now.
1: It's not. A, it's just a different way to run your business, and, yeah. and arguably, you know, if you own the things on your balance sheet, it's just a bit more conservative. Yeah. If that industry turns, yeah. you know, you control the assets and you can sell things down and, and make moves, whereas. If you're bound to lease liabilities you know well out into the future that's sort of where i i just you know i'd always prefer the more conservative you know sort of uh, run business but that's just me you know pointing that out i think if if conditions hold up you know from a from a optimization point of view, Silk Logistics will give you you know, better returns on, mm. on capital and things like that, just because of the way that the business is run. Um, so, yeah, look, I would hold it. As I said, it's not for me, just given that style, that that asset intensive cyclical. I look at the business, though, no massive red flags and, and the valuation, I think, more than compensates you for the,
0: the type of business it is. Fair enough. Uh, Claude, what do you think?
2: Yeah, I think that it is a capital intensive business, as Luke has discussed. And in this kind of environment where we've got slightly higher the inflation than, than what we've been used to in, in the last decade, uh, it's pretty much the lesson from Warren Buffett's le- letters after the high inflationary period in the 70s was that you want to invest in uh, low capital intensity businesses. Uh, and that's because, you know, to grow the even to grow profits, uh, a high capital intensity business needs to suck in cash. and it it just doesn't work out as well in high inflation because you know, that cost of cash is higher essentially. So I I wouldn't go for it. I wouldn't buy it. Having said that, if it's your first small cap, you actually chose pretty decently. It does have a decent dividend yield. I would think of this as a dividend stock. Um, and you could do worse than have the experience of uh, investing in a small cap dividend stock quite often. You can do okay because they are small. If they get a few things, right, and a few things go their way, uh, they can actually get a nice bump, and and, you, and all of a sudden the dividend you're getting has grown and is now much more generous compared to your, you know, original purchase price. And then you have a nice little dividend yielder. So it, it's not bad, 4.9% fully franked. I think so. It, that'd be about 7% grossed up. Uh, that's a little bit lo- uh, that's a little bit higher than Lindsay, which is probably a slightly higher like it's a bigger network, so probably better distributor there. But uh, I would say obviously lower yield than Calyx, which Uh, Luke mentioned and I also think is probably more attractive though I don't own any of them myself
0: okay so it'll
2: be a hold for me hold for me but just accepting that you wouldn't want to put too much in it because it could be pro cyclical
0: okay fair enough okay let's move on to the fifth stock Rectifier Technologies ticker code RFT picked by Kin so is this one we're talking electronic products I saw 47 million dollars so it is in the micro cap space
1: Yep, I own it. Oh. Um, so, yeah, a, a micro cap. Um, share price has been struggling lately and, and a good reason for that, which is um, their key customer is a business called Tritium and it's been in the headlines in the yes. AFR with a lot of issues around their capital position. And, you know, when the market hears the word bailout, <laughs> things things aren't good. So Tritium is a major customer for Rectify Technologies. Um, you know, to, to be fair to them, they are moving away from tritium they're, they're winning other customers and um, bringing new products to market um, they've already said they're trying to bring out a new product focus on the defense industry um, and, and so you know it's it's not completely relying on one customer but they are a majority of their revenue um, so that's why the share prices struggled a little bit um, I actually plan on getting down to their AGM in Melbourne next week so um, one note I just had here is that anyone who is interested um, you know keep an eye out in the Meriwether Capital monthly report I'll I'll sort of write about my my conversations and findings Mm -hmm. from that Um, But look, if this business does survive the tritium issues relatively unscathed, it looks exceptionally cheap. Seven times last year's earnings. um, The question marks over what those earnings look like moving forward, I think, are valid. And I completely understand why the market has sort of pulled back from the stock. Um, Like I said, though, I continue to like it. I think management uh, have been a little bit underestimated by the market and how well they have innovated in that sort of power engineer um, sort of space, bringing products to market. Um, you know, they only started focusing on EVs back in 2016 and, and have won some you know real serious clients and have, have a good standing now in that industry. So um, I continue to back a good management team. As I said, I, I wanna get down there next week and um, you know have a good chat and see what's going on. Um, so one that I, I still like and Look for the program, I would say speculative buy with a big emphasis on that mm. speculative because there is a, a non-zero chance that a key customer does go under um, yeah. and that creates a real earnings gap that these sure. guys have to fill. Now they have the ability to do it, but you've got to go and do it. so um, I'm I can stomach that sort of risk you know as being a micro cap investor uh, but obviously knowing not everyone can.
0: Yeah, fair enough. And maybe even wait till the AGM or maybe not buy a full position. Exactly.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. You can manage risk in a lot of ways. Yeah. Uh, position sizing or just, you know, sitting on the sidelines and, and waiting for those key points that you're looking for. Uh, but I think it is one, like, if you are a micro cap investor, this is one worth keeping on your watch list. I think they're doing some really interesting things, not just in EVs, but in that broader electrification theme, which, yeah. you know, that, that that's a multi-decade sort of theme, which... Yeah, you know, fingers crossed these guys can be playing in. And-
0: Fair enough. Well, Claude, what do you think?
2: I think that this is exactly why microcap fund managers earn their fees. You know, I, would, <laughs> I just literally rectify as an example of the kind of microcap that I even just don't really have the stomach for. I, when I was a baby investor, I, I bought shares in this at, I, I looked at my share site, 0.004, so a, a fourth of a cent. And I tried to call up and talk to someone about the company and ask some questions, just like hit absolute brick walls, couldn't hear anything, freaked out and, and sort of tried to sell my shares. Uh, it, it has come such a long way since then. So that's why I give a lot of credence to, uh, Luke's point about people have under underestimated management. You know, I certainly did cause they wouldn't talk to me. I was like, Oh, this seems scary. <laughs> uh, so, uh, overall it's very hard to call when, i wouldn't generally not my instinct is not to buy something where they're going to potentially lose a lot of volume from their biggest customer so just the general rule of thumb would, would probably keep me out of it right now i think you know if you're in there i would expect you're you're in there because you believe that this is a decent way to play what is ultimately a tailwind which is still there which is the electrification of things so tritium is ev charges right so that was a big growth thing for them but it could you know it could be multiple type parts of the electrification process you know I'm sure different you know solar panel systems and and chargers and all sorts of innovations that we, we're already having and we're going to have in the years to come these guys are going to have a market that they can try and serve there with their IP and their experience so from a long term point of view I would say this bad news about tritium may not inv- invalidate the thesis in which case I think you'd be fine to hold so I'd call it a hold.
0: okay fair enough. Now, let's sum up. And uh, the stock of the day was WiseTech Global. And we had two very differing uh, points of view on that one. So Luke basically saying that uh, he, he likes it. He would possibly buy it on weakness, but at the moment, it is a whole, Just pointing out that the pressure on margins, the fact that they are adding new acquisitions to grow the business um, is putting some pressure at the moment there on the share price. But it does have some Forex tailwinds and the market might have been looking for more of an earnings upgrade today. Uh, Claude, conversely, he has a sell on it. And feels that although this stock tends to go into the technology basket, he feels it's much more of a roll-up story and is not as bullish on it. Okay now let's summarize the first five stocks that we have gone through. Looking at Catapult, so uh, basically here we have a company where Luke has a hold on it, it's a good product but we're basically looking for more execution here, Um, really looking for I suppose management to start to put some runs on the board and just making the point that the earnings are very, very seasonal. When it comes to Claude, um, he was just saying that it's not profitable yet, not a great balance sheet. So he has a sell on the stock. Alcidian. So we have a hold from both of our uh, guests here and really not upbeat, uh, really too much at all, to put it mildly. Um, Both very, very cautious about the stock, um, looking at, winning those contracts into the UK is going to be very, very important for them. And yet they've yet to get those runs on the board. And obviously it has disappointed some shareholders. Looking at Laserbond, and that is a case in point where we have two buys. Both of our guests really, really like it. Both of our guests own shares and you are looking at Not only it is a cyclical business, but nevertheless, it is a quality product and just interesting to see that the US customers are asking them to move over there. So a buy there from both Luke and Claude, Silk Logistics. We have a hold from both Luke and Claude on that one. Uh, Just making, I thought um, your point, Luke, was really interesting about the fact that they're leasing equipment there. So Mm. in terms of whether or not it's more conservatively run or not. another company by way of example would own their equipment which may strengthen the balance sheet but however it's not expensive it's relatively cheap and possibly um, one that you might foot or flag to possibly look at. And then rectifier. So here we have a speculative buy from Luke and very exposed to the tailwinds from electrification. But Tritium is for causing some concerns at the moment as their larger customer and uh, just (laughs) Claude, far too, he doesn't have a stomach for a micro cap of this size, had owned it previously, Um, feels that it's possibly a hold. It does have those tailwinds, which is good. Now, the call is tracking our own high-conviction fund, which is picked by our investment committee. And the latest episode of the committee meeting is live for you to watch at Ausbis.com. So let's check in with the portfolio update. Going into November, 1% was trimmed from MA Financial and added to Challenger. And let's see how the portfolio is performing. So far, our fund is 9.69% on a cumulative return basis since inception on March 1st, 2022. So keep sending in your requests and the call switched on to see which stocks our committee will be looking at next. Okay let's crack on with the second five stocks of the day and we have ResMed Australian Financial Group, Atlas Pearls, Aurora I think I've got that right, Biosurgery and Janison Education. So Claude let's start with you for this back five stocks of the call today. ResMed what's your thoughts we have talked about it a lot this year but nevertheless it's still a very interesting story
2: yeah i'll i'll keep it i'll keep it brief then because i'm i'm sure you've heard uh, all different sides of the debate i definitely fall on the it, it's the it's a buy side of the debate uh basically i do think it's a, a good quality business overall it does still have um you know a, a great market position and uh, there's recurring elements to its business once people buy the initial machine and there is a lot of untapped demand for sleep apnea treatment uh, that goes beyond, you know, people, they just haven't got treatment and they and they need it or can benefit from it. It's not a matter of, oh, you know, suddenly people are going to take a Zempic, everyone's going to be skinny again and res- uh, sleep apnea will go away. There are multiple reasons why I don't think obesity will go away as much as some people think because of these... Uh, new drugs, and so I would be in the camp where I'd see now as potentially a buying opportunity uh, without wanting to go overboard because you could always be wrong about these things, but but I see it as a buy. Fair enough. Uh, I don't own myself. Sorry, I should add when it, when I say a buy. I don't own it myself, but that's because I'm just mostly focused on small caps, but I actually have been very tempted on this one and to sort of break the small cap focus and get some shares just because sociologically, you know, you, there's the signs of this hype around Exempic so hard so high, you just think it is very likely to be overdone.
0: Absolutely. So Luke, for Anthony, what do you think of ResMed?
1: Um, yeah, I don't mind it either. So Claude and I were actually on the day they had their fourth quarter result, and it was off mm-hmm. 20 odd percent. Um, and back then I sort of said, it actually felt quite rational. The valuation was you know, upwards of high 30s, close to 40 um, times earnings. Um, and it was a decent earnings miss. And then the Ozempic stuff took over and just, you know, this this narrative hit the market. And, and I wrote about that in my um, last monthly report. Um, I would actually agree with Claude and say, put Ozempic to the side. I, I think the actual impacts to a lot of these businesses will be quite minimal. Um, and even if they are larger, I think they'll be many, many years into the future. Um, what I would focus on if you're there today or, or you've got ResMed, you know, really close on your watch list is they are still having a lot of issues with their gross margins. Mm. Um, And for some time, um, I actually went back and had a look when I was on the train. Um, The last probably three or four quarters, there's been commentary from the CEO that that gross margin will start to improve, Mm. and it just hasn't happened. Mm. Um, And I think it's worthwhile investors, um, you know, and and they are, to be fair, like the share price reflects that, but really starting to ask questions and think about, well, what are the structural drivers of this lower Mm. gross margin? Um, Because you could be forgiven for a while there chip shortages, logistics. There was a lot of um, headwinds and and lots of stuff going on. But by and large, most companies that are exposed to to those issues... Um, you know, Ordinate's already come out and said they see the chip shortages as behind them, which are even a couple of small micro caps I own have said the same. Almost everyone's saying logistics costs have normalised and it's not too bad getting things, you know, around the globe anymore. So that's my main issue. And I think if you've got a good answer as to what's going on with the gross margin, mm. that can get back up to that sort of, because right now, I think it was 54 and a half at the mm. first quarter result. If that can get back to that sort of 57, 58, 59 where it was in the past, um, then I think ResMed's a fantastic buy. It's mm. just about, I think, too much focus on Ozempic and not enough on you know what's actually mm. happening to these gross margins and can the business get back to where they were
0: mm. really interesting point it's, it is fascinating how a lot of these med tech stocks and healthcare were so heavily hit by the pandemic yeah. if we went back in the time machine i'm pretty sure most people wouldn't necessarily have picked that and of course no. it's been quite universal okay so would you have a hold on i would, I would say buy? hold
1: but on, on that spectrum like yeah. you know closer to a buy than a than a sell i think I, You look at the valuation today in that sort of mid-20s. And as I said, there's potentially earnings tailwinds over the next few years if those margins normalise. You know, you could be getting a very good price for ResMed in a couple of years. But, you know, we have seen those businesses that have been market darlings just continue to, to slide and slide as those fundamentals, you know, deteriorate. So I wouldn't necessarily just assume everything's rosy and comes back but if you do the work and get comfort it could be very interesting
0: mm, the quality crown just tipped off the head a little yeah, bit. yeah
1: well i mean you know happen is the,
0: the well, number one that's, no that's more a car crash <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay the seventh stock is australian finance group ticker code afg picked by mitch and mitch has asked is this the right time in the cycle to buy this business claude what do you think
2: I, I do not think it is the right time in the cycle to buy this business. Um, yeah, it's, you, I think you want to buy this kind of business when it's looking really cracked out and, and like, it's, it's chart looks like it's gone down a lot and there's been uh, some sort of panic in the market. So, uh, now's not the time. And I would say that generally speaking, uh, the, the analyst forecaster for a weaker a weaker FY 2024 compared to FY 2023. So that also implies that the cycle is negative for these guys. The risk, of course, is, you know, I'm, I'm trying to think about what the market is saying here or the market thinks. But the risk in terms of this cycle is that you have a situation where the, the forecasts are for down a little bit and then back up. But what if the backup doesn't happen as fast as the market think, thinks? That's the risk there. So I say probably you want to wait for that for a bit of an up, a bit of a bull market before looking at it. Okay, Luke.
1: Um, So there's a saying, I don't know who made it up, but but Andrew Page likes to say this, Claude and I, mutual friend. Um, There's no bonus points for complexity in investing. So just because something's complex, you know, you don't make extra money, you know, digging into the bottom of it. And I I just couldn't help but think of that when I was looking at Australian Finance Group, like you're managing inherently a very complex financial Mm. business. Um, It used to be very clean. It used to be a mortgage broker, which is a very clean business to analyze. Um, They just, you know, they they, uh, receive a commission, Ongoing trail. Beautiful. Last couple of years, these guys have gotten into the securitization of of their own lending. And it's really made the accounts complex. You're relying very heavily on management to, um, you know, uh, present those accounts in in, in the right way. Because there's a lot of assumptions and adjustments that can Mm. be made to that. Um, so, so you've got a complex business as it is within a, a tough interest rate environment, which we've seen from every non-bank lender saying the same things, like their their funding costs have gone through the roof mm. and haven't been able to pass that on as quick to their... to their um, or have their front book sort of overtake the back book. Um, and then as Claude points out, you've got the housing exposure mm. as well. And what does that mean, you know, with a with, with housing cycle and, and plenty of pundits forecasting some weakness there? So... I throw that all together and say, "Look, there's just easier ways to make money in the market, even if you know this is potentially beaten down and, and looks cheap." Um, my only issue with that, like I, I did look a bit deeper. It doesn't even look that cheap, you know, no. ten times earnings, and it wasn't even look like I could look at ten times earnings and say, you know, there's there's things I can point to where that's going to recover and mm. there's growth there. It looked like just ten times earnings with earnings going backwards and question marks. of Well, why, when are they going to turn around? So,
0: are they securitizing the loans?
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Right. So, kind of like mortgage-backed securities. Yes.
1: Yes. Yeah. Mm. As best I could tell, like I said, it's mm. not a business I know well, but mm. my my look at the accounts, yes. Um, And what sort of worried me was that core mortgage broking segment went backwards quite Mm. strong. Now, maybe that's a shift. You know what I mean? Like you're shifting from outsourcing to other lenders through your broking to internalizing it. Mm. That, That probably explains that a little bit. But as I said, too much going on and this. That the first thing that came to mind is there's, just, there's no bonus points for complexity in no. this game.
0: So uh, would an avoid be too strong? I
1: think, no, I, I think that's right. I think that's right. I'd avoid this. Um, you know, I didn't look at the yield, but it wouldn't surprise me if the yield's roughly way. in line with the big four banks.
0: Yeah, it is. It's about 5.5%. Yeah. About 60%. So You're that's taking
1: on a lot of extra risk. risk for, just buy a
0: bank if you
2: want just,
1: that. If you need it, just buy the banks. Yeah.
2: yeah. Uh, Claude, an avoid for you as well? Oh yeah, definitely avoid. This is the only, uh, actually, the only way I would think of it as a trade when you're trading a, a really, a really smashed out name as a recovery in in a dark time. Otherwise, this is definitely the set the, se- the second tier lending kind of businesses. You're hard pressed to find small caps in any kind of lending space that have done well in the ASX in the last ten years. There's so many more losers than winners. It's like picking the the sand sandpit with scorpions in it. <laughs>
0: Mm. (laughs) I love it. Okay, let's move on. Atlas Pearls, ticker code ATP, is the eighth stock picked by Jeffrey. And Jeffrey says it trades on two and a half times NPAT for full year 23. I know it is a cyclical high-risk business and perhaps has some sovereign risk, but surely it is cheap based on the financial results. And given they have no debt. Oh, dear. Is this a value trap,
2: Claude? I... Yeah. So I, this is one I followed many years ago. If you look at the, thanks for that question, by the way, you are obviously grappling with the key issues here, but um, if you look at it 10 years ago, there was a share price uh, spike sort of almost 10 years ago when they had some good results. And what I would say is this is one of those rare situations where I would say, do not look at the PE ratio of this stock when you're thinking about the value rather look about dividends, which, well, there's not, there's nothing much there or look at the NTA of the business and you may need to make adjustments to the NTA, to because sometimes things on the balance sheet are either exaggerated or, or minimized, and and the real value is higher or lower. So it's worth going over the balance sheet. But I'd think of this business in in terms of NTA and in terms of probably wanting to buy it at a discount to NTA. Now, just glancing at I think Morningstar, it's at about book value at the moment. So I would say I'm not I'm not seeing value there. And then you've got to just this reminder, for example of the, the very up and down nature of their business. So it can be affected by all kinds of things, uh, in, in, ter- in terms of looking after these oysters that have the pearls in them. And indeed, tragically, they've even reported a few days ago that an employee died when entering the water, presumably to, to, uh, get pearls or check on them or something. So that just shows the difficult and strange nature of the business that makes it hard to predict, and therefore, yeah, probably I'd be looking at this for uh, it's, yeah, a difficult one and I would, I, personally, I don't plan to buy this stock probably no matter what, but if I was, I'd be looking at a discount to NTA.
0: Okay. So again, it's kind of an avoid for you, is that correct, Claude?
2: Yeah, yeah. So if I own shares now, I would I'd probably be selling them.
0: Okay, fair enough. Yes, risky, risky business. Might be better just to buy the pearl necklace rather than actually buying the stock. What do you think, Luke?
1: Well, pearls are in, Danny. I'm not the most fashionable person. I haven't, I haven't person. worn my
0: pearls yeah. lately. I sort of, yeah, they sit on no, the safe. I saw
1: um, Kim Kardashian in, wore a pearl dress to the Met Gala. So,
0: I think that you know. might be a push too far for Ausbiz.
1: Mm. <laughs> Um, This is a really interesting little business. Claude and I have had this one come up before and we'll probably say the same things um, as we did last time, which is it's exceptionally cheap on that net profit um, metric. And and again, there's no funny accounting to it. Like these guys, um, you know, they've got an Indonesian based operations. um, uh, I was gonna say manufacturing, but you know, producing South Sea pearls. Um, It's definitely a cyclical business. It's tied to those fashion trends and um, also supply comes online. Right now, they're getting good prices on a per-pearl basis, but that can quickly change if supply does move in from different parts of the world. Um, but again, I can't really fault management here. Like, you know, clean balance sheet, eight mil cash in the bank. The viewer obviously knows this business and, and knows the risks. Indonesian base, you're taking sovereign risks. Claude, as Claude pointed out, they had a, a death there the other week, which, you know, operationally may not change too much, but it's worth noting that. Um, it's highly, highly liquid. so, If you're there and you understand the business and the risks, you've probably worked hard to get a position. I wouldn't be rushing to get rid of that right now. I agree with Claude, though. If you're on the outside looking in, if you're a small investor who is willing to take some risk on microcaps and, you know, you can get a meaningful position in a, for lack of a better word, lobster pot like this. (laughs) um, You know, this is is interesting. I would probably think about it the way Claude did, which is, don't look backwards at earnings. You sort of have to, you know, yeah, what, what does the dividend look like? What's the commentary for management? What are the industry conditions? Which can be tough to find out, but yeah. you, know, you can do a bit of work. Um,
0: I can't help but feel though, if we have a really hot summer, that whole pearl farm could be wiped out with Well, yeah, so they, they
1: they face the same issues which salmon producers and everyone else Correct. has, which is yeah. you get um, diseases. diseases and, and crop mm. wipeouts and things mm. like that. So there's tons of risks to the business, mm. but again, when you pay three point something times earnings, a lot of that's factored into the price and and I grant that. So hold from me, particularly for this viewer who obviously knows the business and if you've got a position, well done, because it's very illiquid. Um, but on the sidelines, again, for those people who are super specy micro caps, this is interesting, chuck it on your watch list. You never know, a bit of volume might pop up one day and um, you might be able to get a, a little position in a, in a half decent business.
0: Fair enough. Okay, now the ninth stock is rower. I'm sure I'm pronouncing that incorrectly. A Biosurgery, ticker code ARX, picked by Phil. Uh, so this is interesting. This is the complex wounds technology, $250 million market cap.
2: Claude, what do you think? look, I think that this is going to be an interesting business to invest in. At, I hope probably at some point. Uh, at the moment, it does fall into that category of or I guess earlier stage businesses that aren't yet sustainable and profit making. Now, unlike say a catapult or Alcidian, it its most recent quarterly did seem pretty actually no sorry, catapult did have a pretty strong half. but unlike um, Alcidian, uh, its most recent quarterly was like an improvement, so it's going in the right direction. Uh, financially but at the same time i i guess the reality is my rule of thumb at this point is the only stock that i you know have have been holding that didn't make it to free cash flow positive has been a disaster and so i would not be at this point in in the market buying into companies that are yet to to you know make that leap basically but what makes this one interesting is it does have 34 million dollars. In cash more or less and it is heading in the right direction and if there's a point at which you can sort of get it's starting to right crossover into break even that's probably even if the share price was a little bit higher that's probably where i'd be looking to get on board just because as i've painfully learned like i'm glad i sold most of my cash flow negative stocks ages ago mm. but it's still the market is still very harsh on that situation raising capital is at low prices it's not it's not hot in these um, growth stocks that are losing money at the moment and so I just say wait wait a little bit and uh, if I wanted this kind of exposure I'd probably be looking at something like nanosonics which is at least crossed into uh, profitability
0: okay. Uh, What do you think, Luke? Um, Yeah, look, I
1: actually thought this was better than what I expected, you know, going into it. I I, I know this business conceptually, it's early stage biotech, trying to bring a product to market. And I expected to see heavy cash losses and, and, you know, very, very speculative early stage. Um, It wasn't too bad to the point where, you know, they've guided towards for this year 30% revenue growth and a small EBITDA profit again i went to that thinking oh i'm going to see huge share based payments or adjustments or something like mm. that but it was pretty clean mm-hmm. and so you know if they hit that guidance the business you know should be pretty close to a, a run rate of cash flow positive obviously you know that's coming towards the end of the year um, the the one thing i would say the hardest part about this business for me is assessing it from a product point of view against its peers so it's in that burn and yeah. wound care from what I understand, these guys use a natural product of sheep bladder or sheep intestines, so they they take that and then and then manufacture their product. You have Avita um, Healthcare that has the spray-on technology, mm-hmm. and you've got Polynovo that has the film, you know, technology. And I'm sure there's many many other peers across the world. Knowing which one's better, which one resonates better with doctors, because at the end of the day, you can have the best product, but if you can't sell it to these doctors yeah, and convince them it. to use it, it doesn't matter. That's where I sort of, again, I sit back and say, let's just wait and see. You know, you don't necessarily have to be there now. You can wait and see who wins. Um, but one thing, you know, again, I, I did note down is, and, and I, this is the same with the Vita and Polynova as well, the one thing that is good to see is really high gross margins. Mm. So there's genuinely, you know, if they can get that takeoff at a mm. revenue level, it'll, it'll fall so cleanly through to profits because of those high gross margins. So I can see why you're interested, you know, if you are there, I can see why you're interested in this business, even at an early stage. But for me, not being that medical expert or having boots on the ground experience I think it's just easy to sit back and say well I don't need to sort of assess the properties of each of these let's wait and see which one actually makes it and it can be an exceptionally long runway even when they're you know they might three or four times their price and still be um, cheap compared to where they could be in, Mm. in the future.
0: Fair enough. Okay, now the 10th stock of the day is Janison Education, ticker code J-A-N, and picked by Bala. So, Claude, what do you think of Janison? Uh, Quite small um, online software, $71 million market cap.
2: Yeah, so I'm actually in the middle of an article, writing an article about Janison at the moment, and I haven't quite reached my conclusion. Uh, But, you know, essentially the problem with it is, that it has been way too slow to hit uh, hit into profitability and, and even uh, just just not growing anywhere near as fast as I think shareholders once believed it was. And I think that the mental framework for this kind of company is not really a fast growing SaaS stock, uh, but more a sort of a little bit of a boutique uh, software house. It has a few different solutions. The revenue per solution is not enormously high, uh and it, 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 it's you know it's run rating though a decent amount of revenue not all of that is a particularly high quality software revenue their gross margins are quite low for a software company which does tell you a little bit why i think it's more or you think of it as a boutique software house not so much uh, a, a great growth sas software business and so overall um yeah I, at the moment i'm going to go with hold because it's got a it's a, it's a new ceo it's just taken over we haven't really heard what the plan for the turnaround necessarily is, but uh, you know, there, there's a few ways they could get value, but on valuation, I don't, I don't really see it at the moment. So I couldn't, I couldn't call it a buy and I'm still working on really what is, what is the way that they could make value? Cause I think in the short term, really the best chance is a takeover. There might be somebody, a strategic buyer who could come in and, and, and rip out, basically some of the unprofitable revenue and and find a profit in there that they could probably even leverage so overall it does have an interesting market position but just not enough organic growth it's not a it's not a high it doesn't have the signs of a high quality business fair
1: enough luke i I agree with that 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 to me i look at it and i say well what's your way to win in the short term and and the only one i really do see is a takeover as well because you look at their agm update in the first quarter um you know the headline numbers were were pretty average. It was sort of like five percent revenue growth. Mm-hmm. Um, you know EBITDA was down ten percent and they they burnt you know three million dollars of of cash and and another million from an earnout payment. Um, and then in the commentary, it was talking about some of, their better-performing segments doing 25 27% growth. Mm. And then nothing on, well, if you've got these segments growing that strong, then obviously other things must be pulling it back. And it just it was hard to sort of, what's actually going on in this mm. business? I, I didn't get a great a great view. Um, but clearly something not right. And, and, okay. and you see that with the, the headline numbers going backwards and, and the fact that they burnt that cash. The other thing I've just never really liked about this business is, um, you know, They talk about their EBITDA profit, but underneath that, a lot of amortization because they capitalize a ton of development costs, which then gets excluded from EBITDA. So it's one where, if you're there, I probably agree with Claude, and, and there's more to sort of figure out what's going on. And there could be a nice product underneath it all, um, so I would hold it if you're there. But if you're on the sidelines, there just wasn't, yeah, wasn't much to get excited about here. Okay. And I think you've really got to get your head around what is the strategic path moving forward. Oh, okay. And as Claude pointed out, new CEO, so we could get a, a real yeah. answer to that soon. So well, worthwhile I might, watching. I
2: might add, if if it did come up on the new strategy announcement, that I might even be looking to sell into that. I just think. You know, we mm. everyone's just waiting. What's the plan now? Mm. But I err towards, I lean towards sell. But but let's see what the plan is. Yeah. Okay,
0: fair enough. Okay, let's wrap up because we've got uh, one minute to go. So Resmed, a buy from both of, I uh, guess today. Just worth making the point about gross margins that Luke made trying to get his head around where they are going, but nevertheless, uh, a buy, AFG, Australian Finance Group, an avoid from both of our guests, really far too complex and it's not the right time. Atlas Pearls, well, um, Claude has a sell on that one and Luke sort of has, if you're there, you can hold it, Uh, but you know, it is a risky stock and it's just interesting because Claude says, look at it as from an NTA point of view rather than an earnings view and Luke just says uh, a lot of the risk is discounted at this point in time. Auro by sur- uh, Biosurgery, pretty much a wait and see from both of our guests on that one, felt that it was hard to assess compared to other stocks such as Avita or Polynovo, whether or not this product is any better, and in fact Claude preferreds Nanosonics. And then moving on to Janison Henderson, uh, Janison Henderson, Janison Education, and uh, just basically we sort of have a hold, Luke has more a hold sell into strength there, and um, Luke has a hold on that one, but just pointing out quality of earnings is a little bit questionable and burnt through a lot of cash. So, have you ever wondered about the secret to success in stock picking? And join Stock Doctors Daniel Ortiz and Tim Lincoln as they lift the lid on the rigorous filters and processes they use to pick stocks and power returns. Some of these secrets have led the Stock Doctor Star Stocks funds to yield 17.3% per annum uh, return since inception. Don't miss this opportunity to ask them questions. to learn how they do it it's free to register head to osbiz.co forward slash stock doctor okay thank both of our wonderful guests today luke thanks so much for thank coming you. in claude as always a pleasure great to see you thank you for joining today so any thanks for having me no problem. Any stocks you'd like us to cover? Go to osbiz.co forward slash call or tweet us at osbiztv. So that's it for the call today on this happy Friday, the 24th of November. But stick around because the pulse is coming up next.